0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. It is once again an absolute privilege to be speaking through whatever screen you're watching this on and wherever you find yourself today. We're continuing our series, Address the Mess, today. If this is your first time ever coming across uh, Suncoast Church or maybe ever coming across some kind of church service online, it is an absolute privilege today for you to join us. And I want you to stick around. Hopefully you will find this super helpful for you. And you know, just before you heard an amazing story, of someone's changed life and how Jesus made a difference in their life. And I want us all to remember, wherever you sit on the faith spectrum, whether you're new to faith or you're not yet there, or you're a sceptic, or whether you're someone who calls Suncoast Church or Impact Church home, church, and we have all learned together in a renewed, fresh way over this past season, is not a building, is not a service. It certainly isn't an online feed. It's who we are. It's a people. It's the ecclesia of Jesus and our whole mission of the church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. The whole fruit we're looking for of people's lives being changed and enriched and encouraged and helped. And I just want to thank you so much again, those who call our church home, for the way you continue to give and to pray and to serve and love people. Make no mistake about it. You are making a difference in people's lives. Lives. God's heart is towards humanity, and as followers of Jesus, we get to partner with His great work on the earth. And so, hopefully, in this series, we've learned a whole lot of practical uh, ways in which we can address different messes—not only in our own life, but messes in the world. And indeed, there are many, many messes. um, But hopefully, you're going to be able to have a few take homes from this. But I want to begin today with a particular thought around addressing the mess, and ask you this question. (laughs) Do you remember times in your life where maybe you have made a messy situation messier? Think about it. How often do you encounter a mess and in our attempt to clean a mess up, we make matters far worse. We can make them so much messier than when they were before we got to them. And I find this can be true so often in in different circumstances in our life that we find ourselves in some kind of mess and obviously it could be a physical one, it could be internal, it can be figurative of something happening in our life, but we find a mess, we can often get so low and so discouraged because of the messes that we find ourselves in and that in our attempts to do something about it, we end up making it far worse than it needed to be. Let me give you some examples. If you've ever experienced debt, if you've ever seen someone in financial debt before, you know they found themselves in a financial mess that can be super discouraging. And if you're someone who's in the middle of that right now and you've been trying to find ways out of it and been trying to take positive steps towards improving the situation you're in or getting out of certain financial messes you're in, often our discouragement in those moments, instead of working towards getting out of the mess, can often cause people to go further into the mess and get more in debt. Man, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've certainly seen people who have thrown in the towel and they've realised their finances are such a mess, they've just given up trying to address that mess and so rather than cleaning it up, they've just made a far bigger mess. We tend to do that, don't we? I mean, think of it in other areas, maybe some kind of unhealthy habit. And think of any one you want. Maybe think of the one that you've struggled with before. Maybe the one that you are struggling with. Any kind of unhealthy habit. Isn't it amazing how we can identify them as unhealthy, as habits that can, we could refer to as some kind of mess in our life, something that isn't as potentially that should be. But what happens is whenever we try and address that, if we can sometimes make matters worse and then we feel horrible for being in the mess and then we return to the unhealthy habit and we go back to that and it becomes a perpetual cycle of creating more and more messes to deal with our guilt, to deal with shame. So eventually something that was an unhealthy habit can become an unhealthy addiction in our life. We've made matters worse. Or well, perhaps in your life, you have often find yourself saying, there is so much to do. And I have so little time and perhaps your time management or lack there of time management has caused your life to be in so much of a mess and you have no margin in your life. You've ever found yourself so overwhelmed with the sheer enormity, allegedly, of what you have to do that instead of addressing it one by one and being systematic and going after addressing that mess in your life, you throw in the towel. And instead of addressing it, you do nothing And nothing gets done. And so essentially, you've still got the same mess, but with less time to address it. I mean, I could go on and on and on about when we face messes in our lives and when we fail to address it or we address it incorrectly, we create an even bigger mess. But the good news is, and if you're still with me, I hope you are. The good news is, fortunately, God is a master at getting you and I out of our messes that we create. So my question for you today is, if God really is a master at getting us out of our messes, Will you let him? Will you let him? In the past few weeks, we've been looking at a whole lot of practical steps that we're challenged by Jesus to make in terms of addressing messes in our own life, addressing the mess in the mirror, not neglecting messes that we should be addressing, and also how to go about addressing messes we see in the world. But what about the part that God plays on our behalf? My question to you today are you willing? to let God enter your mess to address it. Now, there's a remarkable story that took place and you can read about it in the New Testament. And Jesus often went to Jerusalem, which was the, obviously the capital of Israel and, and all of Jewish life centered around the activities in, in the city of Jerusalem, particularly the temple there. Jesus was teaching it often in the several years of ministry he had on the planet. And, and in the weeks leading up to his subsequent death and then resurrection, It's kind of this, it's almost like this inner groan and like a prayer that he prayed over Jerusalem. He kind of went, he said in this kind of manner, he said, Jerusalem, I've just wanted to help you so much. He saw the mess Jerusalem within, not just politically, but with their faith, the people who were in turmoil, the corrupt leaders of the time, religious and political alike. And Jesus obviously offered them the hope they were truly looking for in a Saviour, but they refused to accept it. And Jesus is like, How often have I wanted to gather you to myself and to help you? And he used the analogy of like a mother hen who wanted to gather her chicks under our wings. But he said this, he said, Jerusalem, you were not willing. In other words, he said, you would not accept my help. I offered my help to you freely, but you ignored it. And you tried to take, and here was Jesus' criticism. He said, you're taking matters into your own hands. And again, we've just saw what happens when we often try and clean up messes ourselves and take matters into our own hands. We can often make a greater mess of things. And that ultimately is what happened with Jerusalem. And Jesus predicted it. Only a couple of decades after Jesus departed, Jerusalem was besieged by Rome. The temple was completely destroyed. And after the uprising in Israel and in Jerusalem, where the, the locals tried to take care of the mess they're in themselves, it just created a much bigger mess. where Jesus all along said, I want to protect you. I want to look after you, but you were not willing. And I wonder if we can understand the challenge in our own lives is even though God is there and as much as Jesus did it on His time on the planet, His invitation is still there right now to enter into our messes. He said to Jerusalem, you are not willing to submit to my help. Our question is today, are we willing to submit to God's way over our own when it comes to addressing the messes In our lives. And if you think about a mess that maybe you've been trying to clean up your own way in your life, perhaps you're in a relational mess and you've been trying everything that you know in your trick book to fix it up. Maybe there's some area in your life that there's great tension and you've been doing it all your way. Have you ever stopped, not just to consider, but to submit to the Jesus way of addressing the mess? Now, I appreciate you might be watching today. And you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, a Christian, wouldn't even know whether you stand or whether you believe God is real. I'm asking you today to consider when it comes to areas in your life that perhaps are in a mess, that God is for you. And He's not here to make you feel guilty or ashamed and see you in a perpetual spiral of messes. And He's also not waiting for you to clean up your messes before you can have any kind of relationship with Him. He's asking, and I'm asking you today, would you consider submitting your way of dealing with messes to the Jesus way of dealing with a messes. Our way creates more messes. Jesus has an amazing way of healing and cleaning and addressing our messes. Now we've seen this kind of thing play out countless times not only in our own lives of us making messes messier, but there are great examples of this done right. And I could, you know, we could find so many illustrations, but I wanna hone in on one particular story in the Old Testament, but this, this is illustrated so profoundly. And it's a story of David. Many of you would know who David is, and David obviously um, was, was known. He lived a thousand years before Christ. He was the king of Israel, but before he was the king of Israel, he was just a shepherd. And the king at the time when David was a shepherd was a man named Saul. And we can read this story in the, in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. And we pick up this story in chapter 24. And the background is <laughs> God had a plan for Israel. And at the time, King Saul had made a huge mess of things. I mean, Israel was in such a mess. Saul had made some horrible decisions. His own pride, his own arrogance, uh, his own personal messes had caused messes for the whole nation. And so God's like, I need to anoint a new king. David was that king. So when David was younger, he was anointed as the future king of Israel. And many of you familiar with the story. He came to notoriety by killing the, the great enemy of Israel, Goliath. He became a great leader in Israel. And as he went from success to success, His notoriety spread, his influence spread. Ultimately, Saul got super jealous of David's influence and popularity. And so he began to resent him. And and this ended up where we pick up the story today. Saul was hunting David down. And at this point, David was Saul's son-in-law. Okay, so if you've had issues with your parents-in-law before, consider David. I don't know if yours has ever tried to hunt you down to kill you, but this is where we find David today. Okay, so not only was Israel in a mess, Saul's leadership was in a mess, and now his relationship with his son-in-law was in a mess. The whole thing was messy. And we find David here. Keep keep in mind, God had promised David, you're next in line to be king. Okay, so this is where we find David now. And we pick up the story. David was hiding in a cave with some of his followers, some of his men. And while Saul was looking for David to kill him with his own soldiers, we find Saul and David have an encounter in a cave. And this is how the story goes. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 24. And I wanna read to you from um, verse three. It says, Saul came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. So Saul went in to relieve himself, went to the bathroom. And David and his men were far back in the cave, didn't know. David's men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands and for you to deal with them as you wish. So David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards though, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hands on him for he is the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. This is an amazing moment because you have to take note here Saul had made such a mess of things that he was causing pain in other people's lives. And this is this is super important for us to understand. When we talk about allowing God to address messes in our lives and us taking practical steps to addressing the messes in our lives, it's not just for your sake. Do you realize when things are out of line in your life, the people who are closest to you often can be those who are most negatively impacted by the messes in our lives? And we see this here with Saul. Saul was damaging his own relationship with his son-in-law, his daughter, to the messes that were left unaddressed in his life. And so here we find out this tension where David had a chance to get revenge on Saul, to get one over Saul, but he refused. David refused to take matters into his own hands because he understood if he did it his way and as all his men were saying, you can kill Saul. He's sitting right there. He's on the loo and he doesn't even know you're there. David recognised if he did things his way, if he took matters into his own hands, he would have only made a messy situation that much messier. And so the story goes on. I'll jump from, through a couple of verses here, verses 10 to 15. Saul gets out of the cave and David walks out of the cave and reveals himself that he was there. He could have killed Saul all along. And he says to him, he says to Saul, he says, some urged me to kill you. The men in the cave urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. May God consider my cause and uphold it and may Him vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. Okay, so, so here we see the situation where because of Saul's own doing, he was making a messy situation so much messier and David had the chance, say with me, of taking, taking matters into his own hands, but he recognised he'd have only made it much worse. And so he put his sword back in his sheath. He said, I am not gonna take care of this my own way. I'm gonna submit this to God for God to clean up this Mess, because let's be honest. How often are you and I tempted to take matters into our own hands? And when we tend to do that, we can often make messy situations that much messier. But I want you to see this picture. This, this is profound, and this is what I want to draw out today. David had his sword out, was about to kill Saul. Stopped at cutting his robe. He ignored the advice of his men. Put the sword back in his sheath. Took his hand off the sword and submitted his hands to God. He said, "My hands." will not make this mess any more messier. What's amazing, the things that you and I can do with our own hands is we can do so many actions out of our own carnality, out of our own selfish desires, like the picture of taking the sword out. We can try and address methods in our life, but from the wrong place. We can do it out of selfishness. We can do it from impatience. We can do it out of resentment, pride, fear, lust, greed, anger, hate, even jealousy. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And all this is a picture of trying to address things our own way with like a sword, which would have only made a messy situation messier. I mean, think about it in your own life. Have you ever been in tension with another person and maybe there was an argument that was happening and you're working the argument through in your mind, I've got a great comeback. And you're like, I'm gonna go now and bring my case to this other person and they're gonna hear my side and I'm gonna have my way. And so you go in expecting to solve this argument But let's be honest, it just made it a whole lot worse. It was like pouring gasoline onto the fight. And we do that, right? When we try to address any mess our own way from the wrong place, something in us, we just make messes that much more messier. And I wonder if like David at times, before we get our hands dirty in some kind of mess, we need to put the sword back in its sheath and submit our way to God's way and be willing to see Him come in the middle of any mess we find ourselves in and address it His way. Because here's the truth. Life is always gonna be messy. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we fix, there's always gonna be some kind of mess. Some of it you and I might be responsible for. Others that could have been created by other people. And we can find ourselves in messes sometimes by the actions of others. But here's the Christian hope. The Christian hope is that God has entered Our mess, God has entered our mess and He holds out His hands, offering to help us in our mess. And what He's asking for us in order to take His hand, we have to be willing to, like David, to take our hand off the sword of addressing the messes our way from our own pride, from our own indignation, from our own selfishness, from our own impatience. And when we're tempted to address messes our way, are you willing to take your hand off the sword and reach out and take a hold of God's hand where He is willing to enter into our mess to help us, and we get the chance to partner our lives with something that is greater than our mess. The question is, as I said at the beginning, are you willing? Here's what's important to understand: is Christianity is so much less about being unmessy. And if you think the goal of Christianity is to have no problems in your life, and that somehow the measurement of Healthy spirituality is I have no messes in my life and I've solved everything. That is not the heart of Christianity. Christianity is not about a position to find yourself in. Christianity is about a direction to head, about a path we follow. And often there you be someone who hasn't engaged with the Christian faith and perhaps you've been hesitant of engaging with Christianity or faith in any context because you've thought your life has to be sorted before you can do that, that the sign of great spirituality is nothing broken or nothing wrong in your life. It's not true. Jesus gave an invitation to follow Him and that is still the invitation. And Christianity at its core is not a state to find yourself in, it's a path to follow. It's a direction to head. It's following Jesus. And this is what we see, this idea, this picture played out time and time and time again in the New Testament. As the New Testament church began to grow and the first generation of Jesus followers worked out this faith and understood what it was, the world was messy, the world was violent, the world was bloody, the world was unjust. There was so much crime that took place. There was so much injustice that happened against the innocents. There was so much poverty. There's so much inequality. And yet the message of Jesus and the church of Jesus grew in the ancient world because there was something so unique about the gospel of Jesus Christ and there still is today. And so here's our place that. I want to look at just one verse that paints this picture so vividly. And this is the Apostle Paul. who wrote about two thirds of our New Testament. He wrote to the church at Philippi, which is in a region in the ancient world known as Asia Minor, which today would be what we would consider Macedonia. And the church had a great relationship with who he longed for so much. But we're on their journey. Things weren't perfect. And in the opening statements of his letter, this is in Philippians chapter one. And from verse three, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I love this term. He said, You have partnership in the gospel. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is our invitation from Christ to not make the world messier, (laughs) but to partner with God's willing hand to heal the world, to be in partnership with what God is doing. Here's what you have to understand whenever you encounter a mess, You have to ask yourself, are you gonna address the mess your way where there's always a temptation and there's always a high risk of making messes messier or are you gonna partner, as we see here, partner with the gospel, partner with the Jesus way in order to bring healing to the world? And Paul says, I pray with you with joy because I understand you have this great partnership in the gospel. And it goes on. He says, being confident of this, that he who began, meaning God, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I love this picture. Paul's saying, listen, I know you're not there yet. You're not complete yet. He says, and you won't be until the day of Jesus Christ. And we don't know when that will be. So he says, but I still, when I think of you, and when I look at you, when I pray for you, I'm filled with joy knowing that what God began in your life, He will complete it. So Paul's looking at their life, recognising they're not there yet. God began something, but things are messy. Things aren't working out, but He wasn't criticising them. He wasn't judging them. He said, when I pray for you, the, the, the feeling He had towards the mess I were in, you've got to catch this, it was joy. It was joy. When was the last time you looked at a mess you were confronted with or a mess in your life and never had a feeling of joy about it? It seems counterintuitive, right? But this is a great picture of how God looks at our life. When You've got to hear me. When God looks at you, He, sees, he feels joy. You are the joy set before Him. And when God looks at a life and maybe you feel like your life is in such a mess right now and things are so out of line right now and things are so messy in your life right now that God couldn't feel anything towards you about animosity or anger or disappointment. When God looks at you, God feels joy. God is for you. God loves you and He demonstrated His love for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so in the same way, Paul looks at this church and going, I know you're not yet complete. You haven't fixed all your messes, but I I just want to say, I pray with joy. And this is a picture of how God addresses the messes in our lives. In other words, we're all on our way. We're not yet there. We all have our messes, but He loves us as we are, mess and all. And it's His love. And it's the way He loves us in a mess that leads us to growth, maturity, and change. Now, don't mishear me. God doesn't love the fact that we are messy. He's not there going, I'm so proud of you. You're making a mess of things, right? He's not proud that we are messy. It's that He loves us in our mess. He loves us through our mess. He loves us in spite of our mess. And it's that love that He determines to address our mess. And that's always God's plan to address the mess in our lives. It's through His love. Let me kind of paint this picture and then I'll finish up. My wife and I love our daughter very, very much. But the sign of her presence is mess. We know wherever our daughter has been because she leaves a trail of never-ending destruction in her wake, right? The sign that she is with us, the sign that she is alive, the sign that she is in our world is indeed mess. But when we look at her and we engage with her, it is with this incredible joy You know, if we wanted our lives to be clean and without mess, we didn't have to have a kid. But now we have a kid, this incredible sense of joy and life in our lives. But with it comes this added bonus of perpetual colossal mess. Okay, but here's the thing. We don't reserve our joy and our love for our daughter on the basis that she cleans up her mess. We're not dangling over her saying, when you clean up your mess, Then we'll love you. Then we'll be pleasing you. Then we'll have joy towards you. It's not in the condition that she cleans up her mess. Our joy for her, our approval of her, our love for her is while she's in a mess. Now, do I love the mess? No. Do I love my daughter? Absolutely. She's a human. She's gonna make messes. So we don't reserve. Now, you get what I'm saying, right? If you're a parent here, you get it. Now, I'm imperfect. So are you. But if that's the way we feel about being imperfect towards our own child, how much more your heavenly Father, who is perfect, feels about you and I? And here's the incredible thing. This is what the partnership in the gospel is. The gospel, the way God loves us, the way God brings in His kingdom into our world. He will determine to complete work in us. God will complete it. Our own ways don't make us perfect. Our own ways won't clean up the mess. It's what God is doing through the gospel that ultimately cleans up and addresses the mess. But here's the thing, God's way, of doing things. God's way of addressing the mess is always so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive. That's why it's often hard to submit to. And hear me in this. It's why it seems like when you look at mess or things being not finished, whoever has joy, if you're someone who is in art, you're waiting for the end product, right? That's where it's like fulfillment, finally, it's finished. Who has joy when things are still unfinished or things that are in a mess? The God's way, the gospel way can seem so counterintuitive. That's why it's often hard To submit to, it doesn't make sense to have joy when looking at something in a mess. But here's the thing, when you stop and consider God's way, you take your hand off your sword, you go, how's God's way gonna be in dealing with this mess? You consider God's way and then submit to the Jesus way, like David did. He was like, I ain't gonna do this my way. I'm gonna put the sword back in its sheath. I'm gonna let God into this mess and deal with it. When you submit to the Jesus way, it changes your tone, it changes your touch, And it changes your take. When you submit to the Jesus way, it changes your tone. When you approach and have to address any mess and you're taking your hand off your sword and you're in partnership with God and the way the gospel works, when you address any mess, then it changes your tone. Instead of being harsh and indignant and impatient towards the messes in our lives, you become gentle. You become patient. You become kind and come on, if you've ever been responsible for a mess and someone has to address your mess, have you been grateful when they've been patient and they've been gentle and they've been kind towards you? When you consider the God way, it doesn't, doesn't mean you ignore messes, it just means it changes your tone. And I wonder if you and I, if we take a hand off our sword to address different messes in our life, our tone needs to change. Likewise, it changes our touch. Instead of making messes messier <laughs> and leaving a huge trail of destruction in our wake when we've tried to make things better, when we consider God's way, we then instead of contribute to the mess, we then help contribute to healing. God's way is about forgiveness, not anger, not resentment. You then start, instead of exposing all your weaknesses to a mess, you start to show God's strength to a mess. It changes your whole touch. And finally, and this is so important, it changes your take on every mess you address, your take, meaning this. We can often look at, as I said at the start, of the start, we can look at messes and feel so discouraged and so hopeful that we found ourselves in a mess. But when you consider God's way, all of a sudden your take on a mess begins to be hopeful and you start to see potential in a mess. You start to have vision for what could be from this mess. And you know, for David, for him to get there, he had to silence the voices of those around him. All his men were saying, do it, David, do it, David, take matters into your own hands. He had to silence the voices around him. And you and I, and here's my challenge to you today, You all have a choice, we all have a choice of what voices we let shape our actions and the way we approach the messes in our life. And why it's so important that we hear God's way of doing this, the Jesus way of doing this, why it's so important that we address messes God's way in our lives is because ultimately it will impact others. I care that my daughter grows up knowing that she isn't loved conditional on her messes. I care that I look at the way I dress messes in my life by submitting to God's way because I care what she learns about God and what she learns about love. I care what I pass on to her. And I wonder what David learned through this situation when he put the sword back in its sheath. He said, I won't let my hands make this mess a whole lot messier. I'm gonna submit this to God. I wonder what David then passed on to his children as well, what he taught them about the way we act and behave when faced with a mess. And I think we get an insight to what David learned in this moment by what he passed on to his son. And we have evidence of this because his son later wrote a proverb, which I think speaks so so perfectly into this and I'll finish on this. This is from Proverbs 3, verse five to six. His son Solomon wrote, we're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. How difficult is that when we're faced with a mess? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He shall make your paths straight. So, my question I want to leave you with today when faced with a mess, I want you to ask this question How do I submit my ways to God for this mess? Sometimes it's a posture like this, literally going, God, I'm not gonna make a bigger mess of things. I've got my way of doing it. I wanna pull out my sword and give people a piece of my mind and fix this mess and tell a person about that mess. But how do I trust you right now? How do I go to you? Go, God, I'm submitting to your way right now. Show me how to address this mess. Hand in hand, partnership with the gospel and trust that you will make my path straight. That's my prayer for you. Maybe you're someone who right now has found your life in a huge mess and you've never accepted God's invitation to enter your mess. And you haven't yet submitted to God. I wanna pray for you right now and you can join in with this prayer. And it's a moment for you to experience the incredible love, and transformative power of God for the messes in your life. So would you pray with me? Say, so dear Heavenly Father, thank You for loving me, all my messes, all my faults. I submit them to you today. I turn from my mistakes and my messes and I choose to follow Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.